please take your Bible. And I'd like you to turn in your Bible to Matthew 16 to start with. Matthew 16. Okay. And before we read, uh, let's pray together and ask God's blessing on this time. Again, dear Lord, we bow before you, recognizing your presence here, recognizing your gift to us with the word of God. And for those who have been born again, who are believers, the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we, we cannot move on, Lord, without your work here. We cannot please you without your blessing and your help. Lord, we want to walk in faith and we want to receive your word as it were if uh, we were hungering after a meal. We ask you to speak to us and feed us from your word. Guide and direct for your sake and for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 16, and starting in verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We're in a day and an age of... uh, really slick and fancy church building programs. And we're not talking about a building. We're talking about people. So we always have to keep that in mind when we're talking about church growth or a church building. Uh, We want to use the term church very, you know, in an accurate way. The church, we've said this before, the church is a people of God. Okay? We are the assembly of believers. We're the church. And we could go across the street and we'd still be the church in the park. But here, you know, it's in this building and here we are. And, um, but a, a lot of the thing in this day and age is to come up with a fancy chemistry, a fancy uh, list of things to do to really add to the church. And it's very tempting but, you know, it's not like we're the advertising geniuses here or something to uh, put together a, a program to attract people just to come. We believe that God draws people to his church. But the neat thing is, Jesus, I gave emphasis to the promise of Jesus here in Matthew 16. He said, I will, not I will think about it, Or I'm gonna. He said, I will build my church. 
And he's talking about a people. And so today, in Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at the process or the procedure in which he's given us to build his church. All right? So this morning, we have the master's church building program. But when I say church building program, you think we're going to say, hey, give some more money because we're going to build a church. No, we're already building a church and it's Christ that's building the church. And here's his plan in Ephesians chapter 4. Okay? Here's the passage starting at verse 7. Follow along. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And, verse 11, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There's the secret to church growth. There's the process right there. And so, simply put, here's a a section of Scripture, some of which is actually kind of confusing and bewildering a bit. But what it shows us is three things. Okay? Actually, four. We'll put a fourth one in there. The first is, and you can follow along in your, in your uh, outline that's in your bulletin. The first one is his means for church building. His means for church building. Secondly, his methods of church building. Then third one is our, which takes a shift there, our maturity in church building. And our manners, the fourth one, our manners in church building. So it's all about people. Remember that. It's all about the people. So starting with his means, we have two different giftings. Letter A under number one is general gifting. The general gifting of God. Okay? Notice what verse 7 says. Okay? He says... But grace was given to each one of us. Now, if I were to ask you to raise your hand and say you're a believer, then you would be saying that I've received grace from Christ. But in this passage, as we understand not just the verse and the word, we're understanding the context of it. We're seeing that it's not about necessarily saving grace. It's about serving grace, if you will. 
a, a gift given to you in order for you to serve. All right? And so uh, it says, grace was given to each one of us. That's the children of God who've been saved and redeemed. Okay? And so the means for church growth is given to all believers, empowered by the Spirit of God. You've been given grace, each one. Here's how it came about. We realize we read that this is not talking about saving grace, but the serving grace. And we mentioned Matthew 16, verse 18, that he's going to follow through on his promise. And now this passage that we see where he says, therefore, he says, grace is given to all. In verse 8, you look at it and what does it say? It's like he takes a jump and a leap on into some other topic almost. But he's explaining how this came about. How the gift of grace came about. And he's saying there in verse 8, Therefore it says, and he's referring to Psalm 68 in this reference. It's an Old Testament reference. And he says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now there's various ways of translating this. Who, who are the captives? Some say it was the those who had been uh, held captive in, in the uh, intermediate stage after death, uh, before Christ came and his work was accomplished. Some were saying, you know, it's, it's those that were kind of the Old Testament saints. And he led them, you know, as captives, which they are to God. And then others say, oh, it's, it's, um, it's leading those captives that were the, the bad guys, the demons and all. And, and saying that they're the, the ones held prisoners, sent off to their eternal destiny. And so, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, delineate which it is. I like to think it's, here's the Old Testament saints, you know. And they're being held in a, in a transitionary time before all this came about with Christ and His work. And, and people dying and... and going on to heaven so he gave gifts to men that's the point that he's getting at and this is how he did it he is once he ascended it was like now is the stamp of, on everything the stamp of approval on everything once he ascended but he's saying in this passage that if he ascended he had to descend and some of the passages that, or some of the translations that we have don't seem real clear about it. Saying that he descended into the lower parts of the earth. As if there is, you know, down in the center of the earth, he went down there. I don't believe that's what this passage is getting at. I believe that's what he's saying is he came to earth. He came, he descended from the grandeur and the loftiness of glory in heaven. And he came to earth. And he descended in that sense. But what he's driving at is that he's given gifts. Now, if you marked, if you're taking notes, uh, I'd encourage you to take, mark down 1 Corinthians 12. And in 1 Corinthians 12, we have a listing of this. And in verse 4, it says, Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
All that to say is, again, are you a believer? You have a gift in you. Here's number one, the Holy Spirit within you. And then a, a giftedness in some way to participate in the ministry of the local body. So that's the general giving. Letter B is specific giving. Specific giving. And that's referring to verse 11. Look at verse 11. And he gave. That's Christ. And Christ gave. And what does it say? It says offices. Here's apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastor teachers. Okay? So apostles... Uh, were appointed. He, he gave some as apostles. They were appointed. They were set aside for this purpose. Apostles were those men who physically spent time with Jesus on this earth. They walked with him. They ate with him. They talked with him. And critical, they witnessed his resurrection from the dead. And they were God-ordained authority. They were the God-ordained authority. For the churches. So as apostles traveled about and and churches were formed, apostles were the ones who provided authority for them. Why? They didn't have the written word of God to pass along, just like we do. We've got the written word of God. You've got it in front of you. You've got it in the pews there, in the pockets of the pews. We've got the word of God all over the place. The Bible, you know, Gideon's in the motels and you've got it on your, your, your tablet. You know, yesterday at the men's breakfast, half the guys are scrolling through their tablet on the, what? I want to hear pages turning. We've got the word of God all over the place. And the, the, they did not back in this time. They didn't have the word of God. So the apostles served as the authority on this. Okay? So, then prophets were also chosen by God. The prophets, obviously, were the ones who were um, forth-telling God's truth and foretelling of what was going to happen. And again, more and more, as the Word of God became the Bible, here it is, as it was developed it was brought into a, a stage of, here's, here's the, what's called the canon, C-A-N-O-N, the canon of Scripture. And that was, here's the, um, the word canon is the idea of standard or measurement. And so all sorts of letters were flying around in those days being uh, claimed as authority. Which one do we grab a hold of? Which one do we believe? Well, these letters were you know, had to go through a process in a sense of uh, being explained, here's what makes this one authoritative. Here's what makes this one inspired. Many of them were not. But yet they claimed that. And so the canon was, here's, here's this idea of men, scholars, you know, experts in it, trying to bring forth, here's what is truly scriptural. And thus, we have the, the Bible. Here are the, the 66 books of the Bible. They made up the canon of Scripture. The standard. Okay? Well, the prophets were speaking forth God's message. You know, as they were given revelation. And both 
apostles and prophets ended up dying off. But what do we have? Here it is. The Word of God. The authoritative Word of God. The revelation of God in the book. Okay? So that's why this is important to understand. Then, there's apostles and prophets. Then, what's the next combo? What does it say? Evangelists and pastors and teachers. They're not three, but they're two. Evangelists, those who were you know, skilled in the sense of sharing the gospel and having unusual results, unusually good results in sharing the gospel. Philip was an evangelist, okay? And then uh, pastors and teachers. Uh, it says pastors and teachers in most of your uh, translations, but really the way that most everyone comments on this is that it's not pastors and teachers, it's pastors, teachers, or shepherd, teacher. And that's what we understand now. Evangelists and pastor teachers in the church age today. Right? So, that's the specific gifting. That's from Christ. He says, and he, Christ, gave some to who? The church. Now we move into the methods. Number two in your outline. The methods of church building is that the pastor, teacher... Well, evangelists are there, involved and active in sharing their, the, the gospel. But it's now pointed to this, the pastor-teacher that is to equip. Is given to equip the body. Thus, the emphasis on teaching in the congregation. Each week, we, we say, let's open up the Word of God. Let's hear from the Word of God. Let's teach the Word of God. Exposit it. Expound it. Explain it. So that people then can, and we'll see what happens in this process. But first, we want to understand, letter A, equipping is for the purpose of serving. And let's understand equipping first. A lot of times we think of it, oh, you're going on a hunting trip. Guys, you go on a hunting trip. What do you do? Well, you pack up the, the truck or the trailer, right? You don't pack up the minivan, you pack up the truck, Okay? And you equip it. Well, in this sense, that's, that's an idea in, in, in our understanding of equip. But this word means to restore something, to restore something to its intended purpose. That's the idea of equip. And, and cert, it's like a medical term. And so it's, it's like the setting of a bone. And it, bone's broken and you get it set. Set it right. That's the idea of the word equip. You as a believer, need to be restored to your original intention. What was that? To honor and serve and glorify God in your life. Okay? So, that's the idea. Setting, you know, equip means to mend or to fix or to restore something that's uh, been broken. And listen, God's word will mend and heal broken, what? Lives. God's word with God's Spirit working, that's going to restore broken lives. So, it's got to be done so, though, in churches that teach God's Word accurately. That's a a continuous effort on our part. The desire of the elders, for Pastor Brennan and myself, that's our desire. Wanting to teach the Word of God accurately. Okay? 
your prayers regarding that is very important. It's so easy to get off on little rabbit trails in our lives and on Sunday mornings. And so it's important that we join together in praying for the teaching of the Word of God. It's not that Brennan and I are, are something fancier and more whatever than you. No. Here's the, the calling of God on our lives to want to preach the Word of God. And your participation is to say, let's be praying for God's Spirit to work mightily. Because when God's Spirit works mightily, the church is built up. Okay? That's what we want. We want God's blessing. And all too often, we divert from it. And we, we need to stay on track. That's, we need to do that. The idea is that Christians end up serving. That's the point of this text here. Equipped for the purpose of serving. Okay? That's what God's design is. That's what He's intended. Letter B under number two. Serving for the purpose of edifying. So that edification would take place. Listen, Christians are saints. You might not feel like one. But you, you and I were called saints. Saints are then also mentioned as ministers. That's what he's saying here. Equip the saints for what? The work of the ministry. And that word is simply the word we get for deacon. I go looking for some people, and this is, I look at it as here's men or women, and say, you know what? Um, you're serving in this capacity. We'd like you to consider being a deacon. Oh, no, no, no. I don't want to be a deacon. I, you know, but they're already serving. And that's the point. All Christians ought to be, what? Serving. And not as a lone ranger, but together in the body. Okay? Part of the body. So that there'd be a healthy body. Because the intake of the Word of God to equip would motivate believers then to serve. Active in serving. Using your giftedness. Using the strengths that you have. So that the body would be built up. Do you see what's coming up here? In, in too many times in the past, churches have ended up saying, well, we've hired a staff of guys and women to, to do the work. And then it's a subtle thing that you, you come and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm here. What more do you want? The Bible says they get plugged into serving. That's what it's saying here. Equip the saints for the work of ministry. And I've seen it in the past, and you probably have seen it also, where it's dependent on the pastor or pastors, Sunday school teachers. Hey, it's their job. Whatever. And so the more we get plugged in to serving and ministry, the more that the body will be built up. Okay? Can you imagine um, if, if it was just one gal, Bobby Lynn, in the nursery all the time? Can you imagine that? You go for it, Bobby Lynn. You go, girl. We're glad that you're doing that. And this is just one area, right? Um, 
we, we wear her out, or anyone else, we'd, we'd wear her out. How, how long do you think she'd make it? <laughs> Should we try? No. The, the point is, we wear people out. And it's especially the ones that are excited about ministry. And they say, well, you're excited. Yeah, let's plug you into other areas. You're doing so good in that. Let's do it over here. And then you get spread too thin. And you're not as effective. And all the while, we got, you know, a number of people, probably in, in some cases, the majority of people sitting, just showing up on a Sunday, not really plugged into ministry. Well, that's not really a church as the Bible says, that's more like spectator time. You know, we do it on Sunday morning and we turn around and watch it and on, on Sunday afternoons, the football games, you know, millions of people sitting in the stands and a few guys struggling out there in the play on the playing field. I hope I'm stirring something up. And a lot of times people say, well, you know, I'm, I'm past the age of serving. Really? Where do, you, where do you get that? How old was Abraham? How old is Moses? How, some of these guys, you know, they're, they're old. And they're still walking and serving God, with God, you know. Anyway, so I want to encourage you in this about the methods of, here's the, the way he wants us to do it. Equipping for the purpose of serving, serving for the purpose of edifying. Okay, then number three, our maturity, our maturity now, that's really where everything's headed. We want there to be maturity in the body of Christ, okay? So we look at um, verse 13 and 14, it says, until we all attain unto the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There you go. Maturity. So letter A, is a, it shows us a deepening devotion. A deepening devotion. Growing in faith and knowledge. Christian lives need to, be, need to have the input of the Word of God. And we need reminders to... Uh, constant reminders to walk by faith. Why? Because our emotions so easily get get in the way, kind of lead the way. In fact, I don't feel like that. I don't. I don't like that. I don't feel. No. What is? What does it mean to walk by faith? Is to have our lives shaped and molded more and more by the counsel of the Word of God, so that we're now a little bit more than before walking by faith in our lives, responding to the prompting of the Spirit of God in our lives. So, it's that we have the intake of the Word of God. And here, the idea of the knowledge of God, or the knowledge of the Son of God is not, listen, it's not an occasional uh, dabbling in this. That's not the idea. The idea would be more of a saying, I want to dive down and learn more about the Son of God. That's the idea you know, that we're seeing here is not just an occasional, oh, a little, little dab here, a little dab there. That ought to help me to cover uh, things with God. No, he's, he's pointing you and me, all Christians, towards this issue of maturing in your life. We're all concerned about our children and our grandchildren, right? 
that they grow up in a good way. They're growing up in a good way, right? I talked to Sam and Pam last night and talked to Pam uh, Wickheiser about how their granddaughter is doing. And their little granddaughter had to have the, the, the big hip cast around her waist and legs for, what, a year? About a year. And so now what they're doing is they're, it's like they have a, a closer watch of, as to how she's walking. Why? They're concerned that her growth and her maturity is doing well. That's the way it is for all of us. Is that the way it is in the church? Is that the way it is for you, spiritually? Right? Important. So letter, that's letter A, a deepening devotion. Letter B is a developing discipleship. They're similar, I realize that. But it's an ongoing, developing discipleship. Because why? Jesus said, go and make disciples. That's, that's the, the broad stroke of here's, here's what uh, church growth is about. Are you involved in, in a discipling way? Maybe you don't know all that you think you should know. And so they say, wow, I, I shouldn't be involved in discipling. What are you going to wait for? A free tuition to a Bible school? Or are you going to start reading the Word? And then... That's a process of discipling. And then share it with others. Share what you're learning. If no one's discipling you, you take it and you start in. And pass it along. Share it. The nice way is saying, okay, here's a connect group. Get plugged in there. Discipleship happens there. Here's a, a, a women's study, a men's study. Here's a small group that uh, a, a bunch of us guys at work or a bunch of us women at work, we, we, we do at lunch break. Is discipling happening in our lives? Why? Because discipling is being more like Christ. That's the idea behind it as you study that term. Then letter C. Letter C under number three. Defining discernment. It's defining discernment. What does it say? He just said in verse... 14 here, I'm sorry, verse 13, that you go on to mature manhood. And I think, you know what, some of you guys in the front row here, you don't want to become a man, do you? You want to just stay, I I, want to play with toys all my life. No, not true. You want to become a man. And in many ways, you, you can show manhood now. In wisdom, maturity, right? So that's what it's directing us to. But look at what it says. So that we, in verse 14, look at it. Verse 14 says, so that we may no longer be children. Sorry, children, but this is not a good comparison here. And the idea is all about what? Maturity or immaturity. And children are immature. That's why they need parents. They need godly parents to help them grow, to be mature in the eyes of God. In God's way, to grow and mature in the things of God. Okay? So that's the contrast he's laying out before us. He mentions the mature man. That's a man who is spiritually like an adult, right? Let's not be children. 
And the idea of immature with this picture of a child or children is that they're fickle. They'll change from one time to another. And especially in this context, it's gullible, being gullible. Children will, will be gullible, okay? Some of you remember this, I'm sure. Um, well, I, I'm guessing. I, I shared a, an intimate detail of my life a while ago about um, when I was a child. And I was racing around the home in Minnesota. And it was dinner time, lots of people. And I decided I, I wasn't going to wait. I was thirsty. Because, you know, active little boy going around all over the place. So uh, dinner was getting set up. Everyone's attention was there. And I raced in the kitchen, grabbed the first glass of water I saw, and chugged it. Some of you rem- might have remembered uh, I just chugged liquid bleach. Well, it, I, hey, it's water, man, you know. I'm thirsty. I want it now. Problem. <laughs> now, we're on the way to the hospital, and I say, well, how about if we, can't we go to the dentist? Instead of the doctor? I, I was looking for any way out of this, you know. But there's a problem there of lack of what? Lack of discernment. I didn't get it. And uh, ended up having to get my stomach pumped and all that fun stuff. But here, it's a similar issue. Are we chugging false teaching? During the week. Some of you, you like to watch TV. TV preachers. Are you chugging their water, their bleach? You know, be alert. Be discerning. You and I need to be discerning. Why? Because that leads us to maturity in the faith. That's what he wants. He says not to be tossed to and fro by waves. When you're tossed to and fro by the waves, there's no anchor in your life. You're just getting kind of moved around all over the place. Same thing with the wind. Don't be carried about by every wind of what? He's talking doctrine, sound doctrine he's concerned about. And there's no stability. I mean, some Christians are like that... (laughs) That tumbleweed that just gets blown everywhere. Okay? And we we need to have roots that are growing to mature us as a believer in Christ. That's His way. And then it says, you know, let's not get caught up by the human cunning or the sleight of hand, the trickery. Nor by the, the craftiness in deceitful schemes. Okay? And that's that word schemes is the word strategies. What's Satan's main business? Satan's main business is to counterfeit what God has given. He's going to counterfeit the truth. And that's deceitfulness. And you and I are regularly admonished and and instructed in the Word of God. Watch out for that. Don't get caught up in that. So, the contrast is we're to picture from this passage a sturdy, grown man. Woman. That's the idea. Of what the the growth pattern or the growth project is for God's church. A sturdy, grown man. Standing on the rock. Standing on sound doctrine. Standing in wisdom. And by the way, all this is because it's the Holy Spirit who grows our powers of discernment through the Word of God. So that as we exercise our minds, we're 
diving more and more in, here's the word of truth. Number four, final point is that verse 15 and 16 in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 15, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him. There's more maturity right there. Who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So to wrap it up is here's our manners in church building. How do we function when we're with people? Number one, it's in our communications. Speaking the truth in love. That's his emphasis there. It's a continual, persistent communication of truth expressed in love. The more you are saying, I want to, yeah, I want to grow in my walk with Jesus. I want to learn more about Jesus. Well, as you do that, you're, you're going into the Word of God. As you go into the Word of God, you're wanting to then pass that along, share that. Why? Because nothing else matches up to it. Nothing else really matters when you're saying, I want to learn God's Word. It teaches you how to handle conflict, difficult situations. It teaches you how to pardon your, your spouse, pardon your children, pardon your parents, all those things. Communicate in this kind of way. Speak the truth in love. Why? It's for the building up of the gospel. Now, the problem is, and I've seen it before, you've seen it too, Christians who say they're speaking the truth in love there's two problems that pop up that surface. One of which is we don't really, um, we aren't very effective in sharing the gospel in our communications. A lot of times it's that. And really, in our new members class this morning, we we're trying to talk about that and, you know, encourage one another about speaking the gospel effectively, knowing it. Is it just a matter of saying, hey, just accept Jesus? Is that it? Then it's like, well, I can take it or leave it. Sounds like I can take it or leave it. It's not a big deal. Is it a big deal? I heard one. I'm not going to push that button there, but you, you understand. It's, it's supposed to be a big deal. It's about eternity. And then on the other side of it, I realize, you know what? You can't force that either. And sometimes it's even done out of pride and arrogance. I will tell you what I know, and it's kind of condescending arrogance coming out. And that's supposed to be, and I can back it up saying, well, I'm just speaking the truth in love. See that? So we've got to beware of that and not go that way, but not ignore the gospel either. Okay? So, this manner of speaking the truth in love will help us mature. And also remember this. Little side note, our words, your words are very powerful. You might not be shouting or raising your voice like I do here. You might be just normal talking, but your words are powerful. Your words to your children, your words to your spouse, your words to your co-workers, they're powerful. And listen, there's a great quote here from an author that I really like, Paul David Tripp says this, the words you speak are not neutral. They are either 
they are either moving your relationships towards life or they're moving your relationships towards death. Say, wait a minute, I don't do that. Yes, we do. We do it either we move towards life in, in Christ, there it is, or ourselves. Well, that's towards death. Eventual. Okay? So on top of that quote from Paul David Tripp, here's Proverbs 15.4. Just jot it down. Proverbs 15.4 says, A soothing or gentle tongue is a tree of life. Think of that. A tree of life. But perversion in it crushes the spirit. A lot of times we um, let vulgar words slip out. Okay? That's just a sign again of the heart. It's what's in the heart. That's what's coming forth. Okay? And so we need to understand that's why we want Christ to rule and reign in the heart. Then Proverbs 18, another reference from Proverbs, it says this, Proverbs 18, 21, 22, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Then our final point in, under number four, 4A was in all of our communications and 4B is in any of our add-ons. I like to think of it, here's, we're talking about building so you like to put on an extra room on your house. You build on. You add on. Well, anything we add on must be done in love. We speak the truth in love. Whatever else we do in ministry, done in love. Okay? This is implying, verse 16 continues to imply this ongoing growth that is, Lord willing, happening in His church. That in all we do, we're complementing this growth with our activity, with our serving. Are you properly functioning in the body to help serve and then build it up? That's what we want to encourage. We'd like to talk to you about that. Some of you are serving already, and it might be that you're serving in ways that you, you'd rather shift into other areas. Let's talk about that. Some of you are not serving and we want to talk to you about how you can get started. It builds up the church. Some choose not to serve. Opting for a spectator seat. You know what? The only one that gets a spectator seat in Christianity is God. God's the only one that gets the spectator seat. I try to encourage our young athletes here in Churchill County about if they're a believer, um, to remember as they participate in a sport, I ask them one question. Who's your audience? Who's your audience? Who are you doing it for? And that's, that goes over into all sorts of other areas. In your work, at home, who are you doing it for? Okay? So, done in this way, true believers are serving ministering for God, for His glory, done so out of a motivation for loving God with all of our mind, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? That's the, that's the aim. And if there's something that, I, that I've mentioned here this morning that, you know, you're, you're caught by, you know, we, we want to talk with you about it and, and challenge you. Get plugged in to serving. 
you've got that extension cord, so to speak. <laughs> Plug in. Start serving. Start being active. And a, a difficulty that we have from the staff side of things is sometimes we don't define things clearly enough. To say, hey, we need this. Well, I don't know what you mean by that. So we've got a job to do to try to define more clearly what we need. Okay? Listen, I want to encourage you, write this reference down also. Hebrews 6, verse 10. Listen to this. God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward His name. You know what? When you serve, do it out of love. Love for Christ. And remember, Hebrews 6.10. He's not going to forget the love, your work and the love that you've shown toward His name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. Okay? There's all sorts of uh, excuses that I could have or you could have about, well, I don't want to get involved in people. You know, it's just too complicated. What a mess. I mean, and then you kind of go off and saying, you know, I, I don't understand how God could even create us. What a, what a hassle. And, and all of a sudden it's a, down, a big downer about, yeah, I don't like people either. <laughs> what? And that's just negative thinking. We need to... Let God speak to our hearts and then continue to serve Him in love and pray that God will shine His light through us. Fallon needs Jesus Christ, not a church of do's and don'ts, not a list of legal requirements. Fallon needs Jesus Christ and we can help in that. Do you believe that? That you can where you're at in your life? And so let's encourage one another in this way. We're going to do our best to keep equipping the saints for what? Yeah, the work of ministry. And it's through the work of ministry that what happens? The, the body is built up. Okay? I'll finish with this. I entered into the world of CrossFit last week. No, 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 don't, don't even. Uh, that's not even worthy of. And I realized what a wimp I am. Bodybuilding things are still, it's really foreign, okay? And it might be that you think that same way about saying, I, I'm not going to go to CrossFit. I've seen what they do. You know what? You, you might say that about CrossFit, but you can't say that about the church. If you're a believer, you cannot say that about the church. You have been saved. You, if you're a believer, you have been given the gift of grace. I don't know exactly how that works itself out in your giftedness, but for crying out loud, for God's glory... You know, look for ways in which you can serve and see more and more a strong body, a healthy body here at Parkside growing for His glory.
Let's stand, please, for the the closing. By the way, if if you're new here, this may be your first time or second time or whatever, we want to encourage you about picking up a welcome packet um, from the sound room. If uh, maybe some of the guys that are back there can grab some, have some ready to welcome packets. It's a maroon little folder. We want to hand those out to you and thank you for your coming here. So in closing, the Bible says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. And all the people said, Amen. God bless you and have a wonderful day. You're dismissed.